This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. In today's episode, you're going to hear an interview that I did with Tim Austin. Tim is currently the national president of the National Society of Professional Engineers, also known as NSPE. I've had the good fortune of getting to know Tim through my work with NYSSPE and NSPE. And he's really a great guy. And in this interview, you're going to hear in this episode, he not only gives some really good pieces of advice on building your career, but he also talks about some of the biggest challenges that our profession, the engineering profession, is facing today and what NSPE is doing to help engineers overcome those challenges. Look out for the professional engineering license. And then at the end of the show, in the Take Action Today segment, I'm going to talk a little bit about the engineering license and my thoughts on the importance of it and why it's important and why I think you should have one if you are practicing engineering. So before we jump in here to the interview with Tim Austin, let me take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. If you are thinking about taking the FEP or SE exam, I recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in engineering exam preparation. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code COACH at PPITopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code COACH for a 20% discount. Now I want to give you a quote related to the topics discussed today in the interview with Tim to bring us into the show. And the reason I chose this quote from Stephen Covey is because Tim and I talk a little bit about priorities and your leadership and how he manages his time between work and NSP presidency and family and his priorities and leadership. So I thought this was a great quote and it goes like this. The bottom line is when people are crystal clear about the most important priorities of the organization and team they work with and prioritize their work around those top priorities, Not only are they many times more productive, they discover they have the time they need to have a whole life. And that's from Stephen Covey. Let's do it. All right, now it's time for the main segment of our show. And for today's main segment, I'm excited to have with me Tim Austin. Tim is a PE NSPE. He's a professional engineer with the firm of Caw Valley Engineering, Inc. His diverse work experience has provided him with a unique perspective of the engineering and construction industries and has been an experienced and accomplished manager in both public and private sectors. What I love about Tim is that he brings exceptional interpersonal skills to the engineering profession, which is something we talk about all the time here on the podcast. He's very skilled in team management and works to bring value to the process. He is skilled in public relations, interacting with media, the public, elected officials, and other public or quasi-public boards, bodies on a variety of topics. Currently, Tim is the president of the National Society of Professional Engineers. He's a past president of the Kansas Society of Professional Engineers and a past board member of the NSPE. He is a past board member of the Wichita Area Builders Association and currently serves on both the Legislative and Developers Committee. He is an immediate past chairman of the Wichita Art and Design Council, which he chaired for four years, and and Tim's got a lot of other association memberships and accreditations as well. Tim, welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. It's really just an honor to have you on the show. Well, thank you, Anthony, and I really appreciate uh, the invitation to appear on the show and 
find it to be a, a real privilege and, and humbling that you would even ask me to to uh, participate. So thank you very much. So Tim, before we jump in and talk like a little bit about NSPE and about engineering license, which I, which I want to focus on a bit, just tell me maybe a little bit about yourself and what you enjoy about being an engineer in the engineering profession. I enjoy being an engineer because engineers are so interrelated, I guess, in society. In virtually everything that we do, the water we drink, the food we eat, the roads we travel, the turning on electricity, the buildings we occupy, engineers are just, they're the fabric of society. And society functions because of the ingenuity, the innovation, and the intellect of engineers. And that's what attracted me to, to, to the profession. And uh, I enjoy conveying that message to the, the non-engineers, the public officials, about all the wonderful things that engineers get to participate in. I know you're very good at interpersonal skills. You're good at connecting with people. How does that happen? I mean, I asked that because I get so many engineers that ask, like, you know, I don't know how to do things like that. I've never built those skills. Is it something that you, you put time into, that you practice, that's somewhat natural? Can you just talk about that a little bit for the listeners? Yeah, uh, great. Be happy to. Like like any skill, yeah, I think it requires a little bit of investment of time and energy and, and opportunity to develop. Uh, certainly, we can always uh, improve upon our, our abilities and skill sets. And, and over the years, I've been fortunate to have the opportunity to appear in, min, in front of many groups, usually as an advocate for land developers, and it puts me in front of a lot of public bodies. But as a whole, it's like any other skill set. I, I can remember back when I was in college doing class presentations, and one of my advisors challenged me very directly in front of the class about my public speaking skills, and it was just very direct. And of course, I could have took his criticism and, in the wrong way, but I took it as a challenge and worked to improve that. So for those engineers who are looking to improve their skills or their public speaking skills, there's a lot of opportunities, other organizations to be involved in. Like Toastmasters, for instance, where engineers who want to desire that skill and improve upon it can find those opportunities in which to do so. So talk to us now about the National Society of Professional Engineers. I'm sure that there's a lot of listeners that you know maybe never heard of NSPE. Just talk to us in general kind of about the mission of the society. Well, as you know, Anthony, NSP was founded in 1934, and it was uh, initially founded to promote licensure of engineers uh, in every state in the union. In that time period, in the early 1900s, we were seeing a lot of industrial accidents, uh, bridge collapses, and, and where there were tragically losses of lives. The people who founded NSP were leaders in the engineering profession at that time and, and saw a need to promote safety, to build public awareness about the engineering and the practice of engineering. And uh, really founded NSP on that core principle of licensure, not for the benefit of engineers, but for the benefit of the public's health, safety, and welfare, recognizing that a lot of uh, uneducated, uh, unethical practice of engineering was occurring. And over the years, NSP has stood to, to be the recognized voice for all engineers, regardless of discipline and area of practice. Most recently, NSP has really focused on our licensed professional engineers. When I go around the, and do my state travels, I often tell people that we're the National Society of Professional Engineers, not the National Society of Engineering Professionals. There is a difference. And so NSP in the last couple of years has really focused on licensed PEs. 
again, not necessarily for the benefit of those licensed peas, but to recognize that licensure brings the greatest opportunity to safeguard public health, safety, and welfare. And so all of our activities within NSP are, are focused in that manner. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, I think one of the things that's somewhat unfortunate about being an engineer here in the United States is that, you know, the engineers in other countries, they seem to have a little bit of a higher stature. I mean, you know, like in the U.S., they call people doctor and they it's always in front of their name. And in other countries, they have engineer in front of their name. So I do think that that is something that's important is that upholding the profession, like you said, not necessarily for the engineers, but understanding that what engineers do is critical to life, essentially. I mean, like you said at the beginning of the show, everything that you see is related to engineering. And I think some of the biggest problems in the world that we have currently will only be able to be solved by engineers. And I think that that's something that's important to remember. It is about the public, and I think it's so important. And I think one of the things, too, one of the points I wanted to talk about with you, Tim, was I know as a practicing engineer, sometimes you don't realize this, but there are like many instances of illegal or unethical practices in engineering industry. And, and it's really important that we try to reduce that. I know eliminate that is, is a big goal, but I mean, reduce that and keep an eye on that because it is the future, it is the public, and it is our profession. And I think that that's something about NSP that's great that they stay on top of that. I don't know, Tim, maybe you can give a couple of examples of whether it's legislation or some initiatives that NSPE focuses on just to give people like an understanding of some of the things that happen out there that as an engineer that they might not even be aware of. And that's a great point. There are, uh, in many cases, unethical or unauthorized practices of engineering. and, And unfortunately, whenever we have a failure in engineering, whether it's in the regulated practice of engineering or whether it's in the area of industrial exemption, the engineering failures reflect badly on all of us as professionals and as design professionals. Some of the stuff that you see in today's media of engineering failures, uh, just read the headlines. Most recently, we've had the Volkswagen emissions uh, issue where engineers have allegedly been uh, identified as having changed uh, software reading to meet compliance on emission standards so that the, that the cars could be sold because they couldn't, uh, in the design of the engine, reduce those emissions. That, that gives us a black eye as a profession as a whole. The GM ignition switch where an engineer made a recommendation, uh, trading off profitability and the cost of recalling vehicles to switch out the ignition, feeling that uh, along with the management, apparently, that it was more cost-effective to deal with claims uh, from families Uh, from losses of life as opposed to actually fix the vehicles. And I think that's what licensure really is is mostly about, is knowing that the individual who's licensed, that it's a public accountability, that they will put the public's health, safety, and welfare, that interest of the public's well beyond their own personal interest. And when we have these failures where there's this, this natural tension between corporate profitability or in sometimes government profitability and cost, trading off poor design. You know, we, we see these breakdowns, and it really is unfortunate because it will lead to loss of life or some very significant environmental failures, one that comes to mind. Anthony, when you were talking about legislation, another headline of recent, uh, in the past 12 months, was the Gold King Mine failure out in Colorado where the Environmental Protection Agency was trying to uh, rehabilitate an abandoned mine and broke the seal on the, on the mine and let a bunch of contaminated water 
getting to a, a river basin that was a drinking water supply for many communities. There was no engineers that designed that uh, remedial effort. And, and because of that particular situation, NSP has reached out to the EPA and Department of Interior to offer our full support to help rewrite regulations to, to ensure that licensed professional engineers are part of that uh, rehabilitation process to make sure that we have the best expertise, the best knowledge, and the best opportunity to mitigate those kinds of failures. And it's, it's things like that is what NSP is about. From a personal standpoint, I don't really worry so much about how we got to this point is what are we going to do about it going forward. And it's unfortunate that these incidents happen, but how can we make it better? How can we regain the public's trust and confidence in uh, not only licensed professional engineers, but the engineering profession as a whole? And one thing that I've discovered as I got involved with NSP and NYSSPE that I didn't really think about, and you kind of referenced a little bit to this idea of budgets and things like that, is that whether it's a private organization or a public organization, there's been a lot of instances out there, which I know that NSP and state societies have done a good job of trying to control where there are positions, whether it's like Department of Public Works or something where it used to be a PE required, a professional engineer. And now because of budgets or whatnot, they've taken down some of those requirements to reduce their costs. And the problem with that is is obvious. I mean, these are people that have a, a major role in the public safety and in the construction of civil projects. So I just think that that's something that was a little bit of eye-opening to me. I never really thought about that. And I never thought about the impacts of that. And it's good to have an organization like an NSP in the state societies and any other societies that may be looking out for that. Because it is, it can be scary. And I think sitting in a cubicle like I had done for many years as an engineer, as a practicing engineer, I was so into the trenches side of it that I never even realized that this kind of stuff goes on. And that's one of the reasons that kind of asked him to come on today, because I think you do get into the project to project grind. And it's very difficult to see that these things are happening. And it's good to have organizations that are out there trying to protect these things from happening or prevent these things from happening. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. As, as part of that career path for, for all of us, as, as we progress from, from college up to mid-career and to senior career, it's a, it's a continual learning curve. And it's, it's important for all of us to lift our heads up from the desk once in a while and to, to look around and, and see some of these other events and other industries that are happening and to reflect a little bit about how those kinds of events uh, occurred and what those underlying reasons, how they might affect our own practice. Because uh, what can seem very simple and uh, innocuous for many of us on our day-to-day activities, frankly, could be, uh, be significant in terms of risk if, if we're not uh, paying attention to it. Let me ask you this. Tell us a little bit about the importance of being active in professional associations and what kind of role that's played in your career. Obviously for you, it's been successful. I mean, you're the president of the NSPE, but I just want you to talk about that in general and how engineers can get the most out of their association experiences. Great question. Being a member of NSPE has been a a very rich and rewarding experience for me at at both a personal level and as a professional level. Kind of, as I commented earlier, as we talked about our own daily practice within our particular industry, one of the things I think that I find very rich and rewarding about NSP is the 
opportunity of fellowship with engineers outside my area of practice. I think the more we learn, it helps build our breadth and depth of knowledge of engineering, of the practice of engineering. Somebody may be working on something that might be a mechanical engineer or an electrical engineer. And as I travel around and I go to, quite frankly, a lot of continuing education seminars, I'm always impressed by the fact that as I and make a point to sit in uh, presentations by engineers of other disciplines, because I often find that I can take something away from each of them that I can apply to my own area of practice. And so I, I think NSP as an organization is, is very rich and rewarding. It helps us avoid blind spots, if you will, to kind of think about uh, things that maybe we weren't really aware of. And, and that's really difficult for all of us is kind of knowing what we, you know, not knowing what we should know and, and not really having an ability to identify what those blind spots may be. So in, in that regard, it's very, it's very helpful. Being part of a, an association is also rewarding from a leadership standpoint. I started out as a membership committee person in the, in the Wichita chapter many, many years ago and uh, progressed my way up through the chapter organization and then ultimately the state organization and now finally assumed to be president of NSP. And every step of the way has been rewarding. It's provided me an opportunity to, to collaborate with many people on various activities and put myself in a position of leadership. And sometimes leadership isn't always available for an individual within a particular company or organization. So professional association can help expedite that aspect of one's career. I like to say, Anthony, that engineering is frankly is pretty easy from a technical standpoint. I know I know it isn't, but frankly, solving people problems is the, is the most difficult part. And being part of an association helps address that because you learn to collaborate, learn to work through issues, learn to see things in, from many different perspectives. Well, Tim, you mentioned leadership there, and that's kind of what I wanted to get into next here. I think personally that being a leader for an association of any size, any level, especially at the national level, is one of the most challenging leadership positions you can get because you're essentially leading primarily a team of volunteers, which is not easy because we know as volunteers, people have other things going on. It's hard sometimes to get people to focus. What are some things that, and it doesn't just have to be from your association experience, but what are some tips that you can give engineers that are responsible for leading a team, or maybe some general tips on leadership that you've learned over the years? There's obviously several things, and it may vary from person to person. I, I found that for myself, the, the thing that I try to bring to the table is I, I try to respect everybody for their opinion, whether I agree with them or not. I like to say, frankly, and I do it around here frequently at the office, I said, if we're all thinking alike, then perhaps nobody is thinking. So we can have candid, frank discussions, uh, sharing of opinions, looking out for those blind spots that I mentioned earlier, but we, we have to respect each other and, and respect those that may even be in a minority opinion about or perspective about a particular issue, but we need to listen to them and we need to think about what they're saying to see if what they're saying makes sense in regard to a particular matter. Another important aspect, I think, is, is self-evaluation, self-analysis. I think any leader has to look inward to themselves not let their ego get out of control, but to examine what their motivations are on a given issue and to make sure that whatever it is that's trying to accomplish is the right thing to do, not, not for them personally, but for the particular organization. We also have to understand we have to be 
somewhat political. I like to say politics isn't the typical Republican Democrat politics, but anytime you get two or more people put together to solve a problem, you have politics. And uh, we have it in our work, we have it in our family life at home, we have it in our church, we have it in our school, we have it in many, many places. So it's really learning to work with other people in a very non-threatening, collaborative way. But probably the most important thing about being a leader is to be decisive. I think that's pretty consistent with everything that you see in, in any of the writings that people write about leadership. Leaders who can be decisive, who don't take their eye off the, off the gold ring, so to speak, can address those landmines and hurdles that may get thrown in their way, but to never waver from the goal and lead decisively. And I like to think that that's really a valuable aspect about leadership. When a person's leader, it's not necessarily a group hug. It's not about making everybody feel good about themselves. It's not about making everybody happy. But it is about listening to everybody, respecting everybody's opinion, shaping a process to achieve a certain goal that, that's needed. I definitely agree with that, especially that last point on being decisive, because that really that can really show people, your team, the public, that you're confident. And I think when you're confident and you're decisive as a leader, then people, they get behind you and they want to execute and they feel confident and ready to go too. And I think when people start to falter and they're not very decisive or they don't appear to be very confident, that's when the team around you can start to have some doubts and then it becomes difficult to try to engage people and and get them moving towards a goal. So I think that those are some really good points on on leadership and it's good to hear it from someone who does have a task right now, like I said, of leading an entire society. So, Tim, tell us, we get a lot of up-and-coming engineers listening to the show. Looking back on your career, maybe you could give us some of the, a couple of the best decisions that you think you've made. You know, we just talked a little bit about decisiveness and then maybe also one or two things that maybe you learned from that you would have changed up a little bit. Yeah, and uh, those, those are really tough questions, obviously, uh, to go back and, and think about things, what we have done differently or, or what's successful decisions were made. Oftentimes, we don't know if those decisions were successful until some time down the road after they've been made. I think probably just breaking it down a little bit along my career path, one of the things that um, when I was in college that I thought was beneficial is I took a lot of non-engineering electives. When, uh, when we had kind of those open electives, many of my peers and classmates would take advanced concrete design or something technical, advanced steel or traffic engineering or something like that. I chose to take more of uh, kind of this soft side, human skills, uh, psychology, industrial psych, sociology, philosophy, things like that. And I'm really glad I did because as I later advanced in my career and ultimately got my master's in public administration, I was able to interact with a lot of non-engineers and I can remember many times sitting in classrooms and, and looking at my non-engineer classmates and thinking, wow, they, they really don't think like us. And, and uh, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think that that's actually a pretty good thing to be able to, uh, to listen to them and to hear their concerns and, and try to communicate uh, maybe something very technical in, in layman's terms. And it, again, it's a skill set that requires some effort and some work to do. I really can't, to be honest, in terms of my career path, don't really regret any of the decisions I made. Had opportunities to work around the country in different professions, doing different things, and always chose to stay in Wichita uh, instead of moving on. So I guess I'd have some regrets maybe because I had opportunities to live in Miami and Los Angeles and 
in bigger metropolitan areas. But we have good value sets here in Kansas. And so I like to think that I made the right choices there for my, for my family. All right, Tim, I just have one more question for you here. I get a lot of questions from engineers about time management and being productive. And, and you're obviously a busy guy between your NSPE presidency traveling around the country, your personal life, your job, of course. How do you decide on where to focus your energy and where to spend your time? Maybe you can give us some tips on time management. Great question. And the NSP president's position is very demanding upon my time. And I do have to look at that life-work balance. Uh, right now, work is, is really dominating it, whether it's work for NSP or work here in, in my role with Call Valley Engineering. It's really just about time management, to, to be very efficient uh, when you need to be, to be focused, uh, learn to delegate when you need to delegate, and not try to micromanage or have my thumb on everything and, and have everything my way, so to speak. I rely uh, a lot on Mark Golden and the NSP staff to, to assist me in my duties as NSP president. Mark's wonderful. Nancy Oswald is just a, probably one of the best assets we have at NSP. And the same holds true here at, at my office with Call Valley. I have some wonderful staff to support me. really appreciate the company's support that allow me to, to do what I do for NSP. And then also on the home front, a lot of support there from, from my better half, Jamie, and, and, uh, and for my kids. Again, just Knowing that NSP and, and my role this year as president is, is very important to me personally, and, and I certainly couldn't do it without kind of the village behind me. So it's an important time for NSP and for professional engineers we, with the emerging technologies that we see in artificial intelligence, autonomous vehicles, biomedical, nanotechnology, virtual reality. There's, there's just a lot of things coming at us uh, that's going to require attention of uh, professional engineers everywhere. I'm glad that I have the privilege of being on the forefront uh, of those discussions and helping lead NSP into the, into the debate on these technologies. Well, Tim, I just want to thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule to spend some time here with me and share some advice for engineers who are trying to advance their careers. Thank you, Anthony, and really appreciate, again, the opportunity. And uh, don't, don't ever hesitate to call and ask me again. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Tim. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about the engineering license and my thoughts on it and how important it is. But before I do that, let me again recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Engineers ask me all the time what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FEPE or SE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. I personally used PPI's materials to pass my exams and I recently had a chance to demo their review courses, which is the reason that we feel so comfortable here at the Engineering Career Coach in recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use promo code COACH for a 20% discount. PPI's CEO, Michael Lindeberg. I still have his book on my shelf that I used and tabbed up vehemently for my PE exam. So we're excited to have PPI as our sponsor for this show. All right. So we interviewed Tim Austin here. You heard the interview with Tim. Great guy, really doing a great job at NSPE president. 
And I want to talk a little bit about the engineering license. I get questions about this all the time. My recommendation is to get your PE license, regardless of what kind of engineering you do, as long as the type of engineering you do allows you to get the license, because there are requirements for each state and what your experience must be in order to get the license. So if you can't get it, then obviously you're not going to be able to go through the process. However, the reasons that I recommend it are pretty simple. Number one, you never know where your career is going to go, right? You never know. You may be working for a company now and you never really have to stamp plans. But in the future, what if you decide you want to go in on your own? Or what if even like down the road you retire and you want to do some consulting and you never got that professional engineering license? So I think that that's an important reason. And I think the second reason is you don't even know what discipline you're going to stay in as an engineer. Like you can be, you can graduate as a mechanical engineer and end up doing civil engineering. And I've seen a lot of people that do that. And as a mechanical engineer, maybe working for a large manufacturer, you might say, well, I don't really need my license because I don't stamp anything. And then all of a sudden you find yourself working in a civil engineering company and the license is absolutely critical. Now you got to figure out, you got to go back and get it and go through all this process. So actually, you know what? One other example, I'll give you a great example because this happened to a guy that I went to school with. He graduated as a civil engineer, but he was going into the construction industry working for a general contractor. So he said, everybody told me I don't need my license. I'm not going to be stamping plans. There's going to be design engineers working on the drawings. And then what happened was he ended up getting laid off during the recession. And he told me, he's like, you know, it really hurt me because I didn't have my license and I couldn't, I didn't have an option to go for really for design work or design jobs. I had to stick in the contracting world and there was no work at that time. So having the PE license gives you flexibility. And then I think another thing beyond the career aspect of it, the engineering license is important because it's, again, it's credibility, it's reputation. It's making sure that people go through a process to get licensed to do the type of work that engineers do because you have to understand something, and this is where NSP plays a big role. Pretty much everything that an engineer does has the ability to impact the health, safety, and welfare of the public. Whether you design a bridge, you work on an airplane components, car components, chemicals that might have to be mixed for a certain mixture, whatever the case may be, there could be a potential disastrous consequences if the designs, if the engineer is not done properly. So again, organizations like NSPE do a good job at really promoting and defending the lawful and ethical practice of engineering. And I think that that has to mean something to us as engineers. We have to take pride in what we do and understand that it's a profession full of great opportunities, but there has to be an ethical component. So I hope you enjoyed the episode today. I'd love to hear your feedback, comments, or questions. Go to engineeringcareercoach.com. Look for episode 112. We'll also be at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash NSPE president, all lowercase NSPE president. We monitor all the comments and we'll respond if you leave us one. I also want to quickly mention it's not too late to come and join us at our Engineering Career Summit, which is going to be down in New Orleans. We've got a dynamite list of speakers. We've got Will Schneer, CEO of Big Red Dog, going to be talking about building your career flywheel. We've got Croft Edwards, who's going to be doing some leadership work with us, really in deep leadership work. We've got Jim Hans talking about engineering finance, Deborah Keller. I can go on and on with the list of wonderful speakers that we have. So check it out at engineeringcareersummit.com. Grab your ticket, come hang out with us for the weekend and really improve your personal and professional skills. Until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, 
improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.